Testing one, two. All right, everyone, welcome to the Toasty Kettle Podcast today. My name is James, and I'm your host. Today, we're going to be talking all about everyone's favorite thing, ice cream. So ice cream, you scream, we all scream for ice cream. Today, I'm going to be interviewing Alex Bassett-Strange. He is a sixth-generation participant in the Bassett's Ice Cream. They've been around since the 1860s, and uh, they're the oldest shop in the Reading Terminal Market in Philadelphia. So so stay tuned. We're going to get to our interview with Alex. Very cool. Well, thanks for calling. Yeah, I wanted to thank you for taking the time to do this, particularly on Memorial Day. Sure. Well, I guess we'll just dive in then and and get started. Okay. How did Bassett's get its start? Well, so Bassett's Ice Cream is is America's oldest ice cream brand. We've been around since 1861. It's a it's a family business for me. My great 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 grandfather started this company back on a farm in Salem, New Jersey. He was a Quaker school teacher and had access to some dairy ingredients and decided one day he wanted to make ice cream. And so he did. And it went so well that he just kept doing it. And um, the story is that he used to churn his ice cream by mule power. So there's an old painting that we have in our office that shows our third great-grandfather's mule churn. We have a mule walking around a, a pot with uh, with ice cream, ice, and, and salt, and, and that would that would churn the ice cream. So used to make it in Salem, New Jersey, and bring it in and sell it in the farmer's markets of Philadelphia. And he continued to do that until an opportunity uh, presented itself where he could move into a retail location on Fifth and Market in Philadelphia. The building's not there anymore, but um, we had that location in 1885. Um, it wasn't until 1892 when the Reading Terminal Market uh, opened up. It's a, it's a food market that's under, under a train station, or was under a train station at the time. And my great-great-great-grandfather saw this as a real opportunity to move his operation there. So he started actually producing the ice cream in the basement of the Reading Terminal Market, uh, which is uh, the, the market itself is still there today. We're not making our ice cream there at the moment. And if you've ever been to the Reading Terminal Market, it's this fantastic um, group of very diverse merchants that serve all sorts of foods from around the world, uh, caters to every type of customer that you could imagine in Philadelphia. And it's still a very magical place. So my great-great-great-grandfather saw this as a, as a real opportunity and moved his operation there when it opened. Now, the logo on the Reading Terminal Market says 1893, but we know he moved it in 1892. And we've been there ever since. Same exact marble counter, uh, same position in the market. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty amazing. We're the last remaining... Uh, original merchant from when that market first opened. Yeah, I saw that. And, and that's one thing that really stood out when I was, so I discovered y'all from uh, watching a YouTube video on the Reading terminal market where a lady was going through trying all the different stuff. And she said, uh -huh. anytime you come to the market, you, you got to finish off with some Bassett's ice cream. And they've been the, uh, the oldest, uh, the the oldest business here in the market and mm -hmm. so that's what got me thinking that you know that's exactly what i like to to find for my interviews because not only is there a lot of history but you also have that that family business where you know you're so you're sixth generation right now right. and right. that's that's incredible for any business to be around that long it's surreal I, I, you know, when I, when I tell the story that uh, it was my great, great, great grandfather, my name's Alex Bassett Strange, by the way. Um, I, um, the fact that this company has been in our 
family for so long. Um, it's it's surreal to me because I, I feel like I can talk about it, but it's hard for me to truly imagine what my great, great, great grandfather would have would, would think if he saw the business day. I know he'd be proud. I know he'd be, he'd be excited, but it's, it's such a wild um, gap in time. I mean, just to put that into perspective, our ice cream company started when Abraham Lincoln was being inaugurated as president. Um, the North and the South were fighting <laughs> in the American uh, Civil War. It's, it was truly a different time. The ice cream cone hadn't been invented when we started. So it's, it's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, that was something that really put it in perspective for me when I was doing my research, when I came across that, that when Bassett started, Abraham Lincoln was the president that blew my mind, you know, cause <laughs> you know, it's, it's easy to sit here and say, yeah, it started in 1861. And right. you know, you don't really put that in perspective on what was actually going on in, you know, the 1860s and, and, and onward. And so, yeah, it right. definitely adds to the, the rich history and, and depth of, of the, of the, the business. Yeah. It, it being such a, a, a longstanding company is, is a real source of pride for us. You know, we weren't the first, uh, the first commercial ice cream producer. That actually goes to a uh, a company that got started about ten years before we did, uh, out in Baltimore, uh, a company called uh, Fusel's Ice Cream. Now they're not with us anymore. Um, I'm not sure when they went out of business, but when they did, that made us America's oldest ice cream brand. So we're not, we weren't the first, but we were the the oldest. Well, I I think I'd rather be uh, the oldest and the longest operating than the first and out of business, right? <laughs> Definitely, and and you know that's kind of what uh, what guides me as I um, as I think about what what we need to do as a company and um, some of the places that I need to put my energy is to make sure that we can remain as the oldest. Um, the fact that we've been around for so long is great. Um, but we need to make sure that we can we can still be around for another uh, 160 years. Yeah, that would be incredible. So, so when when you're talking about you know some of the other places that are doing ice cream at the time when when Lewis Bassett started doing his ice cream, would you say that's where he got his inspiration from these other businesses, or did he just decide, hey, I've got I've got some I've got some dairy I I'm going to start making ice cream. How did, what was the thought process behind the ice well, cream? I, ice cream, as we know, it was a relatively new product back then. I mean, it wasn't, there, there weren't many, um, it, it wasn't as accessible as it is today. So exactly what inspired him to get into the business? I'm not really sure, but I do know that because of his, location on a farm in Salem, New Jersey. Um, he had access to some fresh produce, um, some fresh dairy ingredients that he was able to use in his ice cream production. Uh, an example of this is a story, and we, we try to bring this flavor back, and I, I, I think this is an interesting one. We know that one of his first flavors was a green tomato ice cream, uh, being that he was on a farm in New Jersey. Jersey tomatoes are really something spectacular. If you haven't had one, they're really great. Um, and it was one of the ingredients he used to flavor one of his first flavors. Um, and we tried bringing that back recently, and it just did not have the reception as I think it had back in the uh, 1800s. Yeah, I'd imagine that that wouldn't be the most popular one, right? <laughs> Right. Like clearly it has it clearly it has some historical meaning, you know, this is one of the first flavors he was using and and I'm sure it tastes great, but when I'm looking at all the different flavors there, I I think personally I would lean towards something that would be more traditional like uh, you know, vanilla or strawberry or right. you know. Right. Right, and and so um speaking of being at the Reading Terminal market, it being a a, a farmers market where uh, merchants would bring their produce, their fresh foods, 
in under this train station and folks from around the surrounding areas would take the train in to be able to shop and, and take the uh, groceries out. In fact, I believe they had a service where you could order a certain set of groceries to be delivered to your train station. So there was a, there was a whole market filled with unique and fresh and uh, pr produce of the highest quality chocolates. These are things that he would use to uh, tinker around the flavors. When we were doing uh, um, our production there in the market, it was so easy to find what was in season. Um, maybe he saw an ingredient that was specifically or particularly inspiring, um, and he was able to use that. So it was a, it was a really cool, cool part of our history. Yeah, I'd imagine that would be the the place to be when it comes to creating something that uses flavor, right? So ice cream, you have to inject obviously a lot of flavor into it and having access to all sorts of, like you said, chocolates, berries, fruits, produce. I'm sure that gave him an edge when he was trying to come up with all the different flavors and things. What were some of his original flavors? Well, I know that I, you know, we've seen some photographs from the early 1900s, around 1920s, of a menu that he had, um, and it, it was um, it had some some pretty standard flavors as you would imagine. We had the vanilla chocolate, uh, we had peach, we had banana, we had butter pecan, and other classics in that same sort of um, camp. It wasn't until my great-grandfather, he was third generation in our business, Louis Lafayette Bassett Jr., who really formulated the underlying recipes that we use today. He was truly an artist and was able to take our formula and he would constantly be changing things. He'd add more fat up to a point and then take some away, or maybe he would increase the overrun which in the industry is the term we use for the amount of air or the, the whipping process through which ice cream gets its uh, fluffier and scoopable uh, abilities. The amount of air will impact things like mouthfeel. Um, it'll impact how that ice cream melts and releases that flavor. We did a lot of things to change our underlying recipe to actually where we have it today. Uh, he has put together this recipe that's been fantastic. And it was really interesting. Um, when I first got into this business, uh, my uncle, Michael Strange, fifth generation. Was, so I'll, I'll finish my story and then I'll tell you why our last names are strange. But right. um, so, so Michael had said to me, Alex, you, you should really go to the Penn State ice cream short course. Um, the Penn State ice cream short course is a, ice cream class at the at, at Penn State, Pennsylvania State University. And they teach you all sorts of things in regards to making ice cream and, and just running an ice cream business in general. And it was something that our family has done since our second generation, uh, Louis Lafayette Bassett Sr. took that class. So we we're I was the fifth generation in our family to take that class. And what was interesting was my great-grandfather who formulated our underlying ice cream recipes, took that class, and he had this unique ice cream recipe, the one that we use today. And he took it to his professors in that class, and, and the professor said that the ice cream formula that he has down on paper will never work. He won't be able to get it to run through the machines. And my grand great-grandfather being the man that he was, took that recipe back, ran it through the machines, and and the machines being the ice cream production equipment, that is, and was able to create this really unique, silky, mouthfeel ice cream that today we feel confident in blind taste tests up against any other ice cream brand or formulation. So it was really, really unique um, to, to, to see that. Yeah, that's great. So from a lot of trial and error, a lot of experimentation, and I guess a little bit of knowing what, what he's doing, right? Mm -hmm. He turns out this formula that you're still using today. Right. Right. And, and um, 
you know, he, he knew all about um, ice cream production. I mean, he, that was his, he was a man of many interesting uh, um, traits and, and talents. He did, uh, he, you know, he, he successfully ran the ice cream company for a very long time and was able to, to get our recipes to a certain place. Well, as I had mentioned, we were producing our ice cream in the basement of the Reading Terminal Market at that time, up until the late 70s, uh, when the, I guess um, a fire marshal had told us that uh, the uh, basement of the Reading Terminal Market in the 70s was no longer suitable for food production just because of some safety uh, uh, concerns. So we took our production, we moved it out to uh, 22nd and Fairmont. There was a uh, there was a fellow ice cream company called Potts Potts Ice Cream at a plant over there, and we were able to make our ice cream on those uh, freezers. Same recipe, just a new location. But in any change to the production equipment results in some changes to the ice cream. So um, we were making the ice cream at the time, and it, and it was going pretty well. It wasn't, wasn't going. Uh, Great. Something had happened with the, the formula. It just didn't translate well to this new equipment. And it was my great-grandfather who, um, you know, we, we, we made it through for, for a few years. And, and my great-grandfather had said to my uncle that we, we really need to use this particular ingredient. That is going to solve our problems. And, um, what you know, he, he had said that for, for some time. And, and he was actually on his um, on his deathbed. And he was, he, you know, it was, it was almost... Um, it was almost his time, and he had said this again to my uncle, who um, he did his words, uh, switched our formula, included this ingredient, and our ice cream recipe has never been better. So we try to hold on to that recipe because whatever magic that Louis Lafayette Bassett Jr. had to, to formulate this ice cream is something that's truly special and, and is a unique uh, part of the, the Bassett's experience. We, we really, we, we don't want to change our recipe at all, and we won't. <laughs> uh, but once you have an underlying ice cream recipe, adding things like a chocolate swirl or chunks of brownie or things like that, a little bit more modern takes on, on ice cream, that can all be done uh, relatively easily. That's not, uh, that's not to change the underlying recipe, the, the ice cream part of it. Right. But it was my great-grandfather, uh, great Louis Lafayette Bassett, Jr., um, whose daughter, my grandmother, Ann Bassett, who then ran the business. She actually started um, when the business was in some financial trouble. As I mentioned, my great-grandfather was a, a true artist, um, but uh, from what I've heard, not the uh, most savvy businessman. Um, and our company found itself in some financial trouble. We had a fantastic product. Uh, we had a great location, but things like keeping up on taxes or um, growing our wholesale business, it's just um, some of the more businessy aspects of the ice cream business just weren't, weren't, uh, weren't attended to. So our company found itself in some financial trouble, and the bank had told my uh, great-grandfather that you know, you've got essentially three days before we pull our loan and you're out of business. You gotta, something's gotta happen. So my grandmother came into the business and she was fantastic with relationships. She had, a, she, was, she, she had a real eye for wholesale. In fact, she grew our wholesale business uh, tremendously. And in large part, the, the, the wholesale business is uh, thanks to her. So she took the, um, the ice cream that we would sell at the Reading Terminal Market, and she knew that there was an opportunity to put that into pints and other food service containers and, and serve those in a wholesale capacity. Well, she was able to solve uh, the issue that the bank had by um, working out a plan with them, showing them her growth and, and the way that uh, we, could, we could carry on as a business. And she, she actually, she saved the business, uh, married my grandfather, Robert Strange, um, and she had two kids, my father, Andrew Strange, and my uncle, Michael Strange. Michael decided to get into the business when, again, our company found itself in some financial issues when um, our wholesale business had grown 
very rapidly. We, we've done a great job uh, growing, but we grew through master distributors. So we had three master distributors at the time who would service sub-distributors um, in uh, New York and, and, and along the East, East Coast here. Um, well, when two of them went out of business at about the same time, it left us with uh, kind of a real hole in our supply chain and, again, found ourselves in, in some issues. So my, my uncle, Michael Strange, who was a, uh, an accountant, CPA with Price Waterhouse at the time, was called into the business, and he was able to jump over the master distributors, deal directly with the sub-distributors, and, and restructure our loan with the bank, and again, save us from, uh, from going out of business. So it, was, it wasn't just by chance that we had been around for so long. It's truly been um, that the right talent and the right calls have been made in very close times. I mean, there, were, there have been multiple occasions where Bass's Ice Cream wouldn't be here today had it not been the generations that came before me that saw um, what needed to be done and, and just simply got it done, which is something I'm beyond thankful. Yeah, that's something that I've noticed as I've interviewed different family businesses is that, uh, you know, I, I've interviewed some restaurants that have been around for uh, hundreds of years, you know, long time. And then some candy shops that have been around and, uh, that's one thing that has been a common theme. You can have someone that has all the knowledge and know-how to make a great product. You know, you were talking about uh, your, was it your great, great grandfather that was the great artist. So his mark on the business was the formula that he brought to the table and, and perfecting it. But at the same time, no business sense or very little business sense. And right. So each generation is able to leave their mark on forming it into the business that it is today. That's definitely one thing that I've noticed from other interviews that I've done. It That's what it takes to have that kind of longevity. Right. If, if we didn't do anything, if the next generation wasn't called into the business or if, thank goodness, my uncle at the time had some real financial understanding, thank goodness my grandmother had... A, a keen eye for relationship building and uh, growth in a wholesale capacity. Um, if it weren't for those things, um, Bassett's Ice Cream, you know, wouldn't be here to do that interview. And so it's it's really it's it's amazing that the, the pieces all kind of lined up like that. But they but they didn't just line up. It, it did take um, it did take some some real determination and sleepless nights and, and, and long hours on the part of my, uh, my family members. Yeah, absolutely. When it comes to the different, you know, so you've mentioned two points in Bassett's history where they were on the brink of going out of business or closing up. Did they ever look at selling the business at that point or bringing in outside ownership to bail them out? What was the drive you know, to keep it in the family? I don't know. I, I don't know if that was considered in the past. I can tell you our, our perspective now, at least my understanding of our perspective, <laughs> is that um, it being a family business for as long as it has, currently in generation five of ownership, um, me being generation number six working under my, my uncle's leadership, um, we know that it would be a, it would be a very difficult thing, a, a dark day, if you will, if the business left the family. It's a real source of pride for us. We live and breathe this, this business, and uh, to bring in outside ownership, I would really only see as a, as a last resort or a consideration on a last resort, which we are nowhere near right now. I mean, our, my, my uncle has done a fantastic job getting us to this point where we're um, serving numerous distributors. We've got hundreds of wholesale accounts in the Philadelphia area. We're actually selling internationally at this point, which is really great. And it's all still family run. And while that sounds like a, uh, um, like our growth has, has made us a, a very large business, it's, it's all uh, 
on efficiency. So um, it's it's literally five of us up in the office. Uh, we've got a, a uh, four full-time delivery drivers that we uh, we send out into the Philadelphia area, um, and we have a retail staff, and that is that's the company, and we're able to cover the East Coast. We're able to cover uh, through a, a, a recent partner of ours um, in Korea. And we were able to get our Bass ice cream pints up onto many hundreds of grocery store shelves in Korea. Uh, Thirty, the high thirties in terms of ice cream, Bass ice cream cafes that have been opened by our um, our new partner in Korea. So, so things are are really looking great for us right now. Yeah, that's fantastic. I can't think of a better business to be in than than ice cream. It's something that everyone can relate to. I can't think of anyone that I've ever met that will say, I hate ice cream. <laughs> you know, they might not like a certain flavor, but I think everyone can gather around some ice cream at some point and enjoy it. You know, when I was a, uh, when I was a youngster, um, I was about 15 years old, my first time working behind the ice cream counter. And I had, uh, I, I had done some work behind the ice cream counter. I also worked my, um, my uncle Roger Bassett also has a turkey sandwich shop in the Reading Terminal Market called the Original Turkey. And I had split some time between the two shops and recognized a key difference in the customer base. Now, um, what I noticed at the turkey sandwich shop was that everybody has to get lunch. A good day, a bad day, um, uh, a hard day at work, a day off, everybody's getting lunch. So you run into every type of uh, personality, every type of mood. Um, but when you see a customer at an ice cream shop, it's, it's almost non-existent that, that you would find a customer that is not in a great mood. I've never seen somebody order a cone of mint chocolate chip with a frown on their face. Um, it's, it's a unique part of the business that I absolutely love. Um, it's a lot of fun. And sometimes when we get really busy, particularly in the spring, and things get crazy at the, at the company, ice cream shops are opening up, deliveries have to be made, um, ice cream has to be produced. Um, I take a step back and think, oh my gosh, this is actually really great. I'm, you know, I, I, my, my biggest concern is how many, how many chocolate chips do I need to put into this batch of ice cream? <laughs> it's not, it's, uh, That's fantastic. <laughs> I, I'm envious of that, you know, sometimes it, it can be refreshing, like you said, to just take a step back and just enjoy bringing smiles to people's faces instead of getting caught up in the stresses of, you know, some people with their jobs. One of my favorite parts about this job is coming up with new flavors and being able to test things, think about what would work well with another um, component. Most recently, we came out with a new flavor called strawberry cheesecake. Now, strawberry cheesecake is an ice cream flavor that the industry has seen for some time, but one of Bassett's keys to success is that we're we're not chasing trends. Um, you won't see us doing a low carb, low calorie um, ice cream that's you know it, it's it's rather popular right now. Um, what you will see us doing is tried and true things in, in the ice cream world. So strawberry cheesecake was one of those things that we noticed was doing. Was, was a solid flavor. It was not one that we had in our lineup. And so I got to work looking for various strawberry swirls, uh, looking at different pieces of cheesecake that we could use, whether or not to use uh, vanilla bean in our recipe. Uh, would this be a vanilla cheesecake or not? Um, so that was, you know, it's, it's a, it's, that was a whole lot of fun. And it was a flavor that we launched not but three weeks ago. And it's, been doing really well, which is something that I love to see. Yeah. If I were there, you know, when, when it comes to different flavors, when I see like a strawberry cheesecake or something, 
I gravitate more towards the fruit flavors over like a chocolate or a mint or, you know, and so seeing like a strawberry cheesecake, that would be something that, that I could really get behind for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, a lot of our flavors, and, and if you take a look at our list of flavors um, as a whole, you'll see some old classics that you don't often see anymore. Butter almond is a great example of this. You see a lot of butter pecan, and, and that, they're both fantastic flavors, but, but butter almond was a flavor that used to be popular um, earlier on, and you don't see as much of it anymore, but we held on to that flavor. Uh, what's interesting for us is that when we bring on a new flavor, we obviously have to make room for that in our freezer case, in our warehouse, and a lot of these flavors tend to garner a fan base. So in order to bring in our strawberry cheesecake, I took a look at our portfolio of flavors and thought, which one would we be able to put on hiatus? We save every recipe. If we would ever um, choose to bring back this flavor, we could um, because we keep it in a, uh, in a file. But I decided on mocha chip. Now it's a coffee ice cream with chocolate chunks in it. And taking a look at the list of flavors we had, we've got at the time four coffee flavors. We had our classic coffee ice cream. We had an Irish coffee, which has a fantastic story behind it. Remind me to let you know, to tell you about that. Um, we have Guatemalan Ripple, which is a coffee ice cream with mocha fudge swirl and these coffee truffles. Fantastic flavor. Um, and then finally, we had this mocha chip. And mocha chip was one of the slowest moving coffee flavors. And I felt the coffee was a bit overrepresented on our list of flavors. So I decided that mocha chip was the one that um, we were going to put on hiatus to make room for the new strawberry cheesecake. And no sooner that I put out the notice that uh, mocha chip is uh, on its way out and strawberry cheesecake is on its way in, that I got a flood of fan mail <laughs> asking me why it is that we uh, got rid of their personal favorite flavor or, or why would we, why would we do this to them? Um, and so I, I, I always, I, I try to make it a point to personally reach out to each one of those inquiries and let them know about our Guatemalan rich ripple, which um, can scratch a similar itch being that it has, coffee and chocolate in it. It's got chunks, varying textures. Um, it's truly a fantastic flavor. Um, but also just our, our list of flavors is up over 40, um, which is rather extensive for our ice cream shop. And, you know, that's kind of the sweet spot. That's really where we want to be. We, if we if we did not pull flavors off of our menu, our, our list would be enormous. <laughs> yeah. So. I guess that's something that I don't I, – I, don't think about a lot when I think about an ice cream place. A lot of times we mm-hmm. want new flavors, but we don't we don't think about you know if we if we get a new flavor, then they have to act something else. They have to take something away. And right, yeah, right. And that's the hardest part. You know, we uh, we went through it uh, about two years ago with vanilla fudge when we brought strawberry cheese. Or sorry, we brought uh, salted caramel pretzel on board. Uh, we, we discontinued or put onto hiatus vanilla fudge with the thinking that vanilla fudge is one of those dipping parlor flavors that can be very easily replicated by simply adding chocolate sauce or hot fudge to a scoop of vanilla. So right. salted caramel pretzel could not be made quite the same way at the, at the counter. So we, that's that was our reasoning on that one, but to get back to the coffee ice cream, as I had mentioned, my great grandfather was a uh, true artist, and uh, he was a bit of a Renaissance man. He was very interested in film at the time. Uh, in the 1930s, he actually shot a video of our ice cream production, took his video camera out to the farm, and showed video of 
the milking process. He even made captions. This is a silent film, black and white, and and showed our process from from pretty much cow to cone, which is really cool and a, a, a neat piece of our history. And you can actually find that video on our Facebook page. Uh, you can also find that video on our website. But that's a really cool video that my great-grandfather shot. He was also, uh, he'd gotten his pilot's license, an interesting story, he'd gotten his pilot's license, flew one time on his own, and said, this is enough for me. I, <laughs> um, I, guess, I guess it was a, a, a terrifying experience, and he decided not to uh, continue with that. Well, back to the film, he, he, he liked film so much, and he didn't have a place in his uh, living room to set up his projector, and just didn't have the space in his house. So one day, my great-grandmother went out uh, grocery shopping, I suppose. And in the time that she was out, he had knocked down the wall between the living room and the dining room and was able to set his projector up and watch his movies. So when my great-grandmother came home, she was um, surprised and a little dismayed at my great-grandfather's choice. And to appease her, he created a new ice cream flavor, one that we have kept on our menu for, well, ever since, I should say. Um, and that flavor is Irish coffee. It's our classic coffee ice cream with a dash of Jameson whiskey, just enough to flavor it. And it's a really great and unique flavor. It's got a great story behind it. I should say shortly after this whole incident, the wall went back up, and uh, my great-grandfather found a different way to watch his movies. That was a, uh, that's a, a, that's a good story, I think. So one thing researching the history of Bassett's that stood out to me was the borscht flavor ice cream. Can you tell me about that? Right. So again, my great-grandfather, uh, this was, was his doing, um, I'm not sure if it was requested of him or how the idea came up, but he ended up making approximately 50 uh, food service containers of borscht um, sorbet, as I understand it, actually. And he brought that down to D.C., personally delivered that in an ice cream truck uh, to Khrushchev when he was in town. That's fantastic. I, I got a real kick out of that because I thought, you know, to to be aware of like current events and I, I'm trying to think of if we had like a foreign diplomat visiting today, having some local business go out of their way to create a special flavor and then hand deliver it. You, mm-hmm. you, you just wouldn't see that today, at least not to that same extent. So that was something that really kind of made me laugh a right. little bit. Right. Well, you know, ice cream is one of those things that can really unify people. It's, it's, it became especially um, apparent to me. Um, I'm, I'm not a very seasoned traveler myself, um, but I was fortunate enough to take a trip to Korea just a couple of years ago when we started serving that country and was able to sample the product out at a at a trade show. So I was scooping cups of ice cream for the Korean people and just the smiles and without personally being able to speak Korean, I could just, you can see that there was enjoyment and they got the same reaction and satisfaction that, that I get when I eat ice cream that, that, that anybody gets. And so I think that there's this really, really great thing that, that ice cream can do to, to bring people together. And, you know, not only that, it's, it's a nostalgic, um, treat. There's so many times when I'm at the Reading Terminal Market and somebody, a, a, an older customer of ours, will, will come up to me and say, you know, my, my grandfather, my grandmother took me here when I was younger and now I'm taking my grandchildren here. And that's it's beyond special to hear. And I think ice cream is one of those items that can do that. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. You know, like I said, I don't think that there's anyone in the world that will turn down a, a bowl of ice cream at any point, right? <laughs> I sure hope not. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe there, there are some people, maybe they can't handle dairy. Maybe they, you know, for whatever reason, but I I think by and large, the vast majority of us, it it can be a great unifying thing. Right. And, you know, I can't tell you how many times um, I'll be behind the counter and, and somebody will say to me, I, you know, I, I am lactose intolerant, but just, just, can you just like a spoonful, just a little bit? And so even still, people will uh, continue to enjoy. Some things are worth a little pain, right? Right. You know, I, I didn't ask you, what uh, what is your favorite flavor? If you were to go for a, a nice bowl of ice cream on a, on a warm Memorial Day like we're having today, uh, what would you go for? Yeah, so th- that's a tough one because I – I have what I've termed order anxiety. So when I go to an ice cream place, I can have a real hard time deciding on one flavor. I'm that guy that's going to ask for 10 different samples and then go back to that one original one that I wanted initially, (laughs) you know. But, you know, I really like – I go to two different extremes here. So I like the fruit flavored stuff. So if they have like a good blackberry or huckleberry is Mm -hmm. one that you can find every once in a while, those are really great. And then I really like, I really like butter pecan a lot. I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that, that God created pecans for dessert and no other purpose. (laughs) So anytime you can make them nice and sweet and put it in a dessert, whether it's pecan pie or, or ice cream, or I, I can really get behind that. Well, that's great. I, um, my personal favorite is a, is a nice peanut butter swirl. Ours uh, is our vanilla ice cream with a, a generous swirl of peanut butter in it. And I, I always think that when I'm eating that flavor, it just kind of brings me back to when I was a kid eating a peanut butter sandwich, drinking a glass of milk um, in the backyard after playing on the swing set. It's just a, it's such a great, great flavor. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't ever tend to go more. I don't. I don't ever. I don't ever tend to do peanut butter in desserts. That's one of my least favorite desserts. But as you're sitting there describing that, I, I'm thinking I've never really had it in ice cream. But yeah, all of those flavors are going to be represented there, and that would be a very nostalgic. You've got the milk, you've got the peanut butter, you've got mm-hmm. uh, all the ingredients you need for that peanut butter sandwich. Nostalgic mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. throwback there, right? So I want to ask, and I think we can finish up on this. Um, so obviously when you have a business that's been around as long as Bassett's and something that's as iconic as Bassett's, you're going to have a lot of well-known people, celebrities coming through that just want to try it. Or maybe they've been back in the day and, and it's something that's still nostalgic to them and you're still around. So they're going to come by and get it. So looking online, doing the research, President Obama came by uh, to get some ice cream from Bassett's. Did he come specifically to Bassett's for that purpose? You know, it was a really interesting day. Now, now I, I personally wasn't there, but my uncle Roger Bassett was. And from what I had heard, um, it was very impromptu. There was a moment uh, on just any, it seemed to be any normal day, when some folks from the Secret Service uh, showed up and said that the president would be there in 10 minutes and that they would like to look around and make sure everything was safe. Um, they, they came in and, and took a look around, and, and um, shortly after, about 10 minutes or so, came uh, President Obama with an entourage, and he came up, asked for the mint chocolate chip, um, he went straight for that flavor, mint chocolate chip, and he paid with a crisp, brand new $2 bill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we, uh, that was a, that was a really great moment. Uh, it was, it was really cool. Um, more recently, yeah, we, we tend to get, uh, celebrities come through the Reading Terminal Market, more notably, uh, Jason Kelsey of the Eagles at his wedding at the Reading Terminal Market. Uh, you may recall 
Jason Kelsey is the center for the Philadelphia Eagles, who gave that impassioned speech in his mummer's costume right after he had won the Super Bowl last year. Um, and after he had won the Super Bowl, um, he had planned his wedding at the Reading Summer Market and specifically requested that Bassett's ice cream be served. And so we were really proud that that had happened. We get various sports teams, sports um, players. We get uh, every year we get uh, NASCAR uh, drivers come and, and scoop ice cream at our shop. Um, we do get uh, various celebrities that, 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 that come in to the, to the Reading Terminal Market to shop and, and ultimately get some Bassett's ice cream. Well, that's fantastic. I, I have a brother out in the Philadelphia area, so next time I'm out visiting, I'm definitely going to stop by and and make sure I can sample some ice cream and, and maybe hopefully decide on one of your 40 flavors at the time. But, well, uh, well, please do it. And give me a call when you do. Um, we can we can meet and carry this conversation on over uh, over a bowl of butter pecan. Yeah, hey, I I would appreciate it. This has been great, and I've I, I've definitely learned a lot about ice cream and and a lot about Bassett's. So you mentioned real quick uh, before we end that you have a Facebook page or website. Where can people find out more about Bassett's and, and where can they find Bassett's ice cream near them? I'm glad you asked. You can find our website at www.bassettsicecream.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Search Bassett's Ice Cream. I'm sure you'll find us. Um, on our website, we have a tab that we update religiously when we get new customers or we find out that a distributor is serving customers in a territory that we don't directly serve. And that tab is called Find Us. So if you go onto our website, you click on Find Us. There are a few ways that you can search via, uh, you can search by zip code or you can take a look at an interactive map that we have up there that shows where all the Bass ice cream locations are. Um, but if you want a, the, the true Bass ice cream Reading Terminal market experience with all of our flavors, you can find that at, at the Reading Terminal in Philadelphia. Well, great. Well, we'll make sure to link to all of that when this posts. And uh, again, Alex, this has been a, a pleasure and I've really appreciated talking with you today. James, thank you. All right. So again, special thanks to Alex for being on the show. And like Alex mentioned, if you live in the Northeast area, there's a good chance you'll find Bassett's ice cream in your local grocery store. So keep an eye out for that when you're in the store shopping around. And if you're lucky enough to be close, make sure you give it a try. So for this week's recipe, I want to talk a little bit about peach cobbler. I used my grandma's recipe for peach cobbler Kentucky style, and this recipe was absolutely amazing. I don't often make cobblers. Often when I'm going to bake a dessert, I'll do like a pie or cookies or something like that, and cobbler is often overlooked. But lately I've been going through my grandma's recipes and scanning them in, and when I was doing that, I came across her recipe for peach cobbler Kentucky style. So when I saw that, I knew if you go out of your way to specify Kentucky style, it's going to be good. And this was loaded with butter, sugar, and peaches, and it was absolutely amazing. Now we're still not quite in peach season yet, so I learned from my prior mistake of using canned peaches with one of these recipes, and I opted for frozen peaches and those worked really well it still had a great peach flavor throughout and it had that great texture that you would get from like a fresh peach which was also spot on so this would be a recipe that you can enjoy year round 
The other thing that I really liked about this recipe was the butter that was going in there. So the way my grandma specifies in the recipe, you start with the butter, then you put the batter on top of the butter, then you put the peaches on top of the batter. And essentially what happened was that butter cooked on top of the, it all, it rose to the top and cooked on top of the, uh, the biscuit layer, the batter layer. And it turned into this brown butter complex flavor with each and every bite. So when I was going through and doing this recipe, you could really smell that almost butterscotchy complex flavor as that butter would cook. The big thing that you want to do with this recipe is you want to make sure that you're not overcooking it, that it's not getting too brown. Mine was right on that edge of being too long in the oven. So make sure you keep an eye on that and follow the recipe as specified. It was fantastic. Well, that's all I have for you today for today's show. If you liked what you heard, leave me a five-star review. It helps people to find the podcast and make sure you tell a friend. It really does help. You can find all of my recipes on ToastyKettle.com. You can also sign up for the newsletter at ToastyKettle.com, and that's going to give you one of these free vintage cookbooks that I use quite a bit to find these recipes that I I post weekly. So make sure you check it out, at again, at ToastyKettle.com. And finally, if you want to know where you can find Bassett's ice cream, I have the links in the description. Make sure you click those links and you'll be able to find a locator that, like Alex said, they update regularly so you're always in the know on where you can find Bassett's ice cream. If you know of another company or restaurant like Bassett's that's been around for a long time and is doing things right, make sure you drop by ToastyKettle.com. There's a, an easy form under the podcast tab on how you can submit and nominate one of these restaurants for me to do an interview with. Again, if you take the time to do that, we'll follow through and and get it done. Until next time.